Wow, it has been incredibly windy these last few months, hasn't it? Shingles flying, siding flapping, garbage cans rolling down the street, semis tipped over. You just kind of want to turn up the music and hope that it stops blowing. What keeps you from blowing away? When we're well-rooted, a lot, it's a lot less likely that we're going to go tumbling down the road. You know, when it's windy like it has been, not just the literal wind, but in a variety of ways in life, it's tempting to say, well, I better just throw everything out and reinvent everything and try something radically new. And, and newness, in many ways, is a good thing. But foundational truths never change. Foundational truths never change. How we deliver those, tra- those truths, they change all the time. The delivery vehicle or methodology. But the truth itself never changes. And so we decided to do this seven-part series on the seven values that we hold dearly to here at this church. Seven values, and uh, the series we decided to call it was Rooted. The things, where are the foundational truths that we're rooted in? And so, like Solo said earlier, Pastor Aaron launched us last week with the first value, which is the Word of God. And unapologetically, in every way, we affirm that we have a high, high view of Scripture in this church. We believe, as I said earlier, inspired by God. This means that it's inerrant. That means it's without error in the original writings, the technical term in the original autographs. And so when we go to interpret it, we interpret it through the lens of looking at it contextually. We look at it historically, that these are real events that took place in history. We look at it, our approach initially, we, we go, this, we're going to literally believe this. We believe these things literally happened, and we understand it grammatically as well. Because we believe that the Word of God is a gift given to us of a rev- as a revelation of Himself, but also speaks into our life. It points us clearly to Christ all through the books. It shows us what God's plan is through Christ and how he wants to impact and change our life. And so we're grateful for that first value of the scriptures. And today, we're going to talk about prayer. And there is so much in scripture about prayer. We, of course, can't cover it all, not even close. But one of the things we do say around here frequently is we will do nothing until we pray. We do nothing in life until we pray first and hear from God. And so we're going to look at primarily just one aspect of prayer today to to highlight this value. How can I better hear the voice of Jesus in prayer? How can I better hear the voice of Jesus in prayer? And I would argue that especially right now, we want to be led by him. We want to hear his voice clearly. We want to be rooted in him. How can I hear the voice of Jesus clearly? But let me just say as I say that, let me warn you, it takes incredible courage to sincerely pray that kind of prayer. 
It's much easier not to. It takes courage to pray that. So if you have your Bible or your device, if you have your hard copy or your device, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 3. Now Samuel is about a third of the way through the Older Testament. If you come to Deuteronomy, keep going to the right, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, and then you'll come to 1 Samuel. If you come to Kings or Chronicles, you've gone a little bit too far. 1 Samuel chapter 3. Before I start to read, let me just set some context so you know the bit of the backdrop here. So Samuel is at this time, to the best of our knowledge, and this is an educated guess, approximately 11 or 12 years of age. He's a young boy. And he is currently working for and learning under the tutelage of a guy named Eli. Eli is a priest in the temple of God. And if you look at the life of Eli, there's some really good things in Eli's life, especially publicly as he served. And even in the text, we're going to see one or two good things about him. But privately especially, he was not honoring God. He was not discipling his family. He'd really just left them to the wind. And the bottom line is that they were engaged in some things that he knew about and he knew he was wrong. He didn't restrain them. He didn't stop them from sinning and really became culpable himself. And he was not leading well. Let me just as an entire aside for just a moment, just say this off topic. We do our kids no favors when we don't discipline them. Sometimes we have this misguided idea, I'm I'm just going to let them go because I love them. We're not really loving them when we don't discipline them. When you love someone, you want what's best for them, and so in a healthy way you discipline them. That's how God deals with us. And when we know for sure someone's doing something sinful, when we know for sure and we do nothing about it, that's not a loving thing either. But Samuel, young Samuel, was all in with God. Serving in the temple, learning under Eli, faithful servant. And one night, he went to sleep. Beginning in verse 1. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There was not many visions. And so many times in the old and in the new, and of course now, God gives visions and dreams. He gives words. But there's times he gives more of them than others. And this is one of the times when he wasn't given very many. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up. So he's hearing an audible voice, Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, the the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time 
And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. See, Eli was doing some things right. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there and calling as as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. It takes courage to pray that way. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Now, you may or not be aware of the different stories of Scripture, but if you happen to be somewhat aware of them, let me just ask you this sort of rhetorical question. When in the Bible were God's assignments easy to fulfill? Where are there stories where God uh, is interacting with someone and gets them to do something, and the person goes, oh, that's a snap. No problem. Easily done. Think about a few of them with me. Hey, Noah, build an ark. And Noah says, what's an ark? And over a long period of time, under threat of death and continual ridicule, he fulfills God's call in his life. Jonah, go preach to the most wicked, perverse, violent people in the world. And I've got a really encouraging word that I want you to share with them. Repent or die. And Jonah says, awesome, thanks God. That should be no problem at all. I'll get right on it. Or in the Newer Testament, Mary, give birth to a son, even though you are an unmarried virgin. And by the way, he will be the son of God. And Mary is super stoked. She jumps on social media with her phone and she's going, hashtag blessed, hashtag son of God, hashtag humble to raise the son of God. And you know, she was blessed and she was more than willing to do it, but she was not unaware of what this might cost her. Literally her life and her entire future, gone. That was a very strong possibility if she said yes to God. And yet she still did. Whenever God scripturally gives somebody an assignment, it challenges deeply the person's faith. They have to rely on him or they're hooped. Young boy of 11 or 12 years of age, I want you to do this, beginning in verse 11. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to give to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears of it tingle. Everyone's going to sit up and take notice over this one, Samuel. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family. Eli has had a number of warnings. From beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about His sons made themselves contemptible, and he failed to restrain them. Conscious decisions by Eli. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. 
Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. He was afraid to do this. Not an easy thing to do. He's 11, 12 years old. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, here I am. What is it God said to you, Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. So Eli did a few things right. Think of the courage of the faith of that young boy. I'm going to suggest that often as adults, we underestimate what we need to learn from children in their relationship with God. We underestimate and undervalue the things that God does through teenagers that we can learn from them. They often have a deeply profound faith in God and incredible courage that many of us don't have. And this young guy shows guts. I want to step back and in the context of this passage, talk about prayer from a bigger perspective. You know, often we think about prayer primarily about what we're saying in prayer. And I've talked to you about that numbers of times. But what about, and today based on our text, what about what God wants to say to us? Because we all know that healthy, meaningful communication is a two-way street. Prayer absolutely is us talking to God, but prayer is also us listening to God. And he talks to people in Scripture. He points people to places in Scripture. He directs people. He does that then. He still does it now. Just like Samuel, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And God speaks to him. Do you think there's ever times where God just wants to say, hey, Scott... Would you just be quiet for a bit? I love you, Scott. And I want to respond to you. You've been talking to me. How about letting me get a word in edgewise? Because I want to respond to you. I want to guide you. I want to convict you. I want to encourage you. I want to admonish you. I want to empower you. Whatever it is. God, have you got the courage to just stop and let me speak to you and hear the voice of God. How do I posture myself to hear him? Now, the first big idea I want to talk to you about, we sort of see this in this text here, is, and and this goes completely contrary to what we typically, how we typically live our life in our culture. The first one is this, real simple, be still. Wow, that's just so contrary. We always got to have something going on, some noise, some activity, whatever. Be still, it says in Psalm 46. Be still and know that I'm God. Rest in his presence. Pause. Stop. Listen. Be attentive to. You know, I was thinking about just the last two days this weekend. 
I wonder how many of us here have taken an hour or two hours or five hours or eight hours or whatever, just just sit down and drink in and listen to Netflix or Amazon Prime or scroll through social media or exercising, working out, or playing a game. There's nothing wrong with any of those things, but many of us, I'm guessing, maybe even all of us, have done one of those kinds of things this weekend. When's the last time you paused in your own personal prayer closet? What do I mean by that? That's just kind of a way, code word for saying, is there a place, you can pray anywhere, anytime, but is there a place you typically go to to pray? Maybe you pray in your vehicle on the way to work or you get to work and you have a coffee and you pray for a few minutes before you go into work. Maybe you do it in that favorite chair in the living room. Maybe you like to do it out in the deck, especially in the summer or when the wind's not howling. Where, is there a place you have a go-to place? When's the last time you went in your own personal prayer closet, shut everything down, and spent an hour just enjoying the presence of God? And you say, oh, I don't have time for an hour. Well, then I would argue you've got way too much going on in your life. And you should reorder your priorities. Shut everything down. And just spend an hour enjoying the presence of God. I'm listening, God. You have something to say to me. How do you hear from God? Let's talk about some of those ways. Well, the first first of all, the scripture, this our text today illustrates one of the ways: an audible voice. We see it in different places in the Old Testament, different places in the New Testament, still happens today doesn't happen very often. Be honest with you, it's never happened to me. Maybe it'll happen tomorrow, that'd be awesome. But I've never heard an audible voice from God saying, Scott, go and do this. Okay? But can God still do this? Absolutely. Still does. Just not very often. Usually, and very important, God speaks through his word. We're told in the book of Hebrews, his word is active, it's living, it encourages, it challenges, it convicts of wrongdoing, it convicts of sin, it corrects, it guides, it comforts, it builds your faith. And if you tell me, sometimes I have people tell me this, I've never heard from God. I'll gently say to them, you're not spending enough time in God's word then. If you're saying to me you've never heard from God, it's because you're not spending enough time in his word because he speaks through his word. There's three times in Psalm 119 where the psalmist writes and says, help me understand your word. Would you take your word, Lord, and just really personalize it for me? Because I I don't want it just to be informational. I want it to be personal. I want it to be transformational. So he, he, he speaks through his word. All the other ways I'm about to mentioning, just keep this caveat in mind. All the other ways that God speaks to us will always be filtered through the lens of Scripture. In other words, what I mean by that is you're never going to hear this message from God that's in some way, in any way, contradicting to Scripture. They will work together. They will not butt heads. So God also speaks through people. 
He might speak to you through a close friend. He might speak to you through something that's written, through a song or something like that. He might speak to you through your spouse if you're married. You know, there's that time where I was all freaking out and, and, and fixating on this thing like I can do and, uh, you know, just stressing out about it. And Debbie's looking at her phone and says, you know, God's word says don't worry about anything but pray about everything. And she's, I just read that on social media. And I said, who posted that? And she said, well, that was you, Scott. Don't you just hate it when God uses your spouse to speak to you? And they're 100% right? Now, that didn't actually happen. But something like that has happened, where she's often 100% right, because God's used her. He often speaks to us through circumstances, Seems like there's just no way this could happen. And all of a sudden, door after door after door just starts to open. And we go through, and as we're going through, we're just going, wow, God's just in this. He's leading in this. Or, of course, on the opposite side of the situation, um, we're, we're heading in this direction, and he just begins to close doors. And at the time, we often don't appreciate the closed doors, but later we look back and we go, oh man, I am so glad you closed those doors, God, because if I'd gone through, it would have been really not a good situation. We sang about this earlier, but also the, the God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit, just prompting us. And when I'm in healthy, right relationship with God, uh, the Spirit increasingly begins to prompt us. And, and, and it's, it's hard to put it into words, you might just say, I just felt prompted to do something. And, and the more we listen, the more he will direct. So over the Christmas holidays, I'll just give you an illustration. I'm having a coffee with this person. And uh, it's a real friendly conversation, but very, very serious conversation. And there was... Uh, a couple of issues, just mutually, we had to talk about, and then a couple I wanted to bring up that, that affected them. And so we're talking about these weighty matters. We blow through the first three. They go really quite well, and it's just really going well. And it's time for me to talk about the fourth one. And I had just this, I'll just use this terminology, this check in my spirit, I think, from the spirit. Don't talk to them about it now. And so I'm just, I'm just learning this stuff, but I've just been trying to say, God, you know, if you just want to prompt me, I'll do it. So I just felt this check, so I said, nope, not going to do it now. Not time. Then on Wednesday of this week, I sensed from the Spirit, now it's time to talk about this fourth thing. And so I wrote to them and said, could we connect for a few minutes? Now, you have to know that this person is extremely busy and booked sometimes weeks and months in advance. And so just to carve out time to be like with them, that doesn't just typically happen. And they say, you know what? That'd be cool. I could talk Friday morning. Let's do it then. Doesn't usually happen. And so um, we connected on Friday morning. We talked about this issue. And then they told me this. You know, that's really interesting. Because this weekend... My weekends are usually pretty busy, but this weekend is completely free for me. And it was my full intention to spend a considerable amount of time this weekend 
praying in my prayer closet about this very issue you just talked to me about Friday morning. You see, I'm of the absolute conviction that Jesus knows things. He knows things way better than I do, than in my little world, in my little plans. He has his timing, he has his direction, and it's perfect. I just have to be willing to listen. And when I'm willing to listen, I absolutely believe he's willing to lead. Always remembering, I'm going to say it again, the things that God leads us in, through people or circumstances or spirit prompting or whatever, they'll always be consistent with Scripture. Once in a while, I'll get people saying things like this to me. Well, God told me to do this. And I'll listen politely and I'll say, with great confidence, absolutely, he did not tell you to do that. What do you mean? How do you know that? Because it's, con- it's in contradiction to God's word. He will not tell you to do something. He's, he's not going to say, do this, and then on the other hand, do that, and they're completely contradicting. He won't do that. So we filter this stuff through Scripture. Um, they don't get pitted against one another, ever. My friends Doug and Terry Balzer, in, in helping with this, they suggest a prayer like this, and I'm going to read through this prayer And I'm just going to explain it a little bit as we go through. So here's the prayer they talk to us about how to hear the voice of Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name because everything we do, everything who we are and how we live and how we're forgiven and and how we're shaped in life is based on Christ, based on his activities for us. And so when we pray, we pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I command all other voices to be silent. That of myself. Now, why do we say that? Because there's times when my motives aren't so pure. Where I have the little Scott agenda going on. So, Jesus, would you just help quell my voice that's not part of the plan here? In Jesus' name, I command all our voices to stay silent. That of myself. That of others. Because sometimes they have their own little agenda too. That of the enemy. Because the scripture tells us in 1 Peter, that he's like a roaring lion. You ever see those videos on YouTube with the roaring lion, devout, seeking whom he may devour? He's trying to get at us. Well, I want to quiet his voice in Jesus' name. We're told that he's the father of lies in John chapter 8. We're told that he likes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's out to get us. So it would be really good to quiet his voice or his impact in any way. So I put on the armor of God, which is from Ephesians 4. And now, against the evil one, and now, Jesus, is there anything you would like to say to me or show me? Speak now, for your servant is listening. Let me read it to you in the short form now. In Jesus' name, I command all other voices to be silent. That of myself, that of others, that of the enemy. So I put on the armor of God against him, and now, Jesus, is there anything you would like to say to me or show me? Speak now for your servant is listening. Then be still and let him lead. Let him set the agenda. And what he might do, there there might be nothing at that point. There might be nothing. But he might prompt you with a scripture and you'll go, 
Oh, yeah, I can see as I meditate on this, I can see how this scripture is very applicable here. He, he, might, he might give you a word picture. He often does that with me, a word picture or a phrase, or he might prompt you to call someone. Just whatever it is, let him lead. And that leads us naturally into the next point, which we see in the text. Be willing. He likes to work with willing people. Be willing. And so here's Samuel. He goes back. He lays down. He's still. Samuel was still, and then he was willing. Be still, now be willing. You know, let's be really honest. We've talked about the different elements of prayer in different sermons. Like from the Lord's Prayer, there's a, you can see it, all the patterns of Scripture, you can, the different prayers, there's, there's, there's some patterns in those prayers. But oftentimes, our prayer life revolves around a list of things. God, I'd really like you to do this, 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 and this for me, or this, 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 and this for so-and-so. And certainly, part of prayer is making requests to God. Make your requests known. One of the lines from the Lord's Prayer that Lindsay read for us earlier is, give us this day our daily bread. And it's kind of code word for, in other words, can I talk to you, God, about the needs of my life? And he says, absolutely, and you should. So that should be a part of our prayer. But rather, can I just make this radical suggestion? What about rather than making our prayer life entirely or the vast majority of it about, would you do this, 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 and this for me, God, or this, this, and this for them? What about saying, I'm willing? What about just picking up in your mind or literally a blank sheet of paper and just say, hey, God, speak, Lord, your servant is willing. Would you just fill that in for me? Because I'm in. And so, for example, you're praying and Maybe God prompts you this way, and you could just pray and say, Lord, would you show any sin in my life? Very scriptural to pray that way, that, I, that I'm not aware of, you know, either consciously or subconsciously, I've tried to forget about it, and I kind of have. Would you remind me? Because God, I'm willing to let you deal with it. I, you know, I just read, we, Scott just read this 1 Samuel 3 passage to me, and man, Lord, I don't want to ignore your warnings. I don't want to end up like Eli and his sons who did contemptible things. Don't want to go there. And so if there's something I've been covering up or I've forgotten about or whatever, would you remind me because I'm willing with your help to deal with that. Or, you know, Lord, would you reveal to me uh, uh, in my motives, any of my motives that are impure? Or maybe God will prompt you, and I'm just giving you some practical examples. You could pray like this and just say, Lord, how can I love my spouse better? I'm willing. You know, you've seen what's going on, Lord, and you know that my spouse is really not loving me very well at all, not treating me very good. Or my spouse is not honoring you right now, but I don't want to focus on that at all. I just want to focus on what you want to do in me. And so, Lord, would you lead me and show me practically how I can love them better? Because I'm willing. 
And of course, we need to make sure that we've obeyed what God has showed us in area A before we try to, well, I don't really want to do with area A. I'm really more interested in area B. God's saying, no, let's get area A dealt with and then we'll move to area B. In fact, there's some places in Scripture that says, it's really hard for me or I won't even hear your prayer until you deal with area A. So how do you posture yourself to hear from God? You be still. You've got no time to be still. You need to make some changes in your life. Be still. Be willing. So my challenge to you is just, you know, as you're, as, you're, as you're going into the day, just to say, God, would you speak to me today? You have carte blanche permission, God, to interrupt me. And, you know, maybe God will start to prompt you and you just say, God, would you show me somebody that's hurting today? I, I get the sense you're going to do that. And then show me how I'm supposed to help them. Or... You know, God, give me the faith and fill me with your spirit to just follow your voice. And then just do what he calls you to do. Wow, there's just a richness in that. With the assumption and with the knowledge that Jesus knows things. And that he will always speak in a way consistent with his revealed word. And then we pray like this, in Jesus' name, I command all other voices to fall silent. That of myself, that of others, that of the enemy. And now, Jesus, is there anything you would like to say to me or show me? Speak now. It's just like little Samuel. Your servant is listening. Be still. Be willing. The little boy Samuel, the text says, he was afraid to do it. And yet he had incredible courage. He heard God, and he was willing to share a difficult message. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening.